Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hello and welcome to World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today we're looking at the building crisis over North Korea's nuclear program. And joining me on the line from the South Korean capital is our correspondent there, Brian Harris. And here in the studio is Jeff Dyer, who is until recently our Washington-based foreign affairs correspondent and who's an expert on Asian security. Jeff, almost as long as we've been following these issues, people have been saying, you know, the North Korean issue is coming to a boil, that it can't go on for much longer. Do you get the feeling that we really are nearing a crisis now? It certainly does feel that way. And that's kind of the consensus in Washington these days. In fact, James Clapper, who's the former director of national intelligence in the Obama administration, essentially admitted this a few days before the end of administration when he said kind of the game's up on trying to contain the North Korean nuclear program. They've done a series of nuclear tests and their missile technology while still not perfect, is getting better and better. And soon enough, they're going to be able to to have a a medium-range or a long-range missile uh, that would be able to reach uh, the U.S. and certainly reach U.S. allies in the region. That's a nuclear missile. Exactly, yes. So so at some stage in the Trump administration, they're they're probably going to face the reality of of a nuclear North Korea with the capability to reach the mainland U.S. Most experts seem to think that that's probably going to happen in the next few years, if not in the next few months. Wow. And so, Brian, I mean, you were, you're in Seoul. Rex Tillerson, the uh, US Secretary of State, made, I think, his first foreign trip to Asia and passed through South Korea, which perhaps gives us a sense of how important this issue is to them. And he said there that America's strategic patience with North Korea has ended. How was that in, remark interpreted by you and by the Koreans? Well, to be honest, there's a disconnect between how South Korea is viewing this crisis and how the Western world is viewing this crisis. I understand that it's all over the media in the UK and the US and it's front page news. But in South Korea, they're, to be honest, not so concerned about it. If anything, I think they found Tillerson's remarks to be somewhat humorous. Uh, he came out and he said, the end to strategic patience, you know, this is the end to strategic patience. Um, Obama's policies have failed. We won't continue with this. But in terms of actual policies, all he seemed to suggest was there would be more sanctions, which was a, a key plank of, of uh, Obama's strategic patience. Um, so you know, people aren't very concerned at the moment. They're still waiting to see what Trump himself will actually come out with. And I guess that is the key question, Jeff, because the implication some people read into Tillerson's remarks when he said all options are on the table there are is that they're thinking more seriously about military strikes. Do you think they are, and are those possible? I mean, presumably Obama thought about that as well. Um, obviously, we don't know, but I don't necessarily think so. I mean, I think maybe in some ways people are overreading what Tillerson had to say in his soul trip. I mean, each of the last three administrations has come in and said, you know what, the previous people have messed up North Korea policy, they haven't got it right. And then they've ended up doing basically the same things as the previous administration because they found out there are no better options. It does look as in re- reality of what the Trump administration is doing is kind of accelerating policy that was in store in the, the final months of the Obama administration, which is to put more pressure on North Korea via China, is to increase sanctions that might affect Chinese banks, uh, increase uh, uh, restrictions on North Korean financial entities, and try and put the squeeze on them that way. 
And by bringing Chinese banks into the equation, the hope is that that will get the Chinese attention and force them to put more pressure on the North Koreans. So really, it's more con- you're seeing more continuity in practical terms, I think, than you're seeing discontinuity from the Trump people. And you're a former Beijing as well as a former Washington correspondent. Do you think that that strategy could work? I mean, I guess it's got two parts. Firstly, they've got to successfully pressurize the Chinese. And secondly, they've got to be right that the Chinese can deliver North Korea. Do you think that's feasible? Uh, Certainly the Chinese are very, very, very angry with with North Korea, very upset with Kim Jong-un. They're barely on speaking terms. But we've over the past decade, we've been here a number of times where it seemed as if the Chinese were on the verge of a, a change of approach that they would somehow consider loosening their ties to North Korea. And at each stage, they pull back. The political alliance that they have between the communist parties and just the general strategic fear of greater you know, uncertainty and chaos, instability of the regime collapsing in North Korea has forced them to pull back. And ultimately, they've, they've continued to underwrite the regime in Pyongyang. And we're not seeing any particular indications that Xi Jinping thinks very differently about this. And even if they even if they were to think, well, maybe we should you know, consider our approach to North Korea. There would have to be a very high level of strategic trust between the U.S. administration and the Chinese administration. They'd essentially have to sit down and start planning what happened when the North Korea regime fell. What would U.S. troops do? What would Chinese troops do? And there's no sense whatsoever that, that China and the Trump administration could, could have that kind of strategic trust. You've got a Trump administration that's come and saying we're going to push the Chinese very hard on trade. They brought up the Taiwan issue. It's very hard to imagine those kind of talks over North Korea taking place between the Chinese and the Trump administration at the moment. And meanwhile, Brian, I guess the South Koreans have been caught up in all this because uh, there's a crisis in their relationship with China because they have agreed to deploy an American anti-missile system known as THAAD. How much pressure are the South Koreans now on from Beijing? I mean, South Korean businesses have faced a litany of attacks from China, from goods boycotts to produce being held at customs, to even individual employees being stopped and questioned on the street in China. So Chinese pressure is definitely coming to bear on South Korean businesses, uh, particularly the big businesses operating in China. But in terms of uh, the people on the street and the normal South Koreans, the Chinese reaction to Thad has only been polarizing, and they are increasingly unhappy with China and its activities. A recent poll by a think tank here found that now, as a result of the Chinese retaliation to Thad, South Korean people dislike Chinese more than uh, than Japanese, which is the first time this has happened in history. Do you think, however, that that this is taking place against a background of political turmoil in South Korea with the the forcing out of the former president and new presidential elections coming in May? Some people suggest that the opposition, if they come in, will actually just reverse the South Korean position on THAAD and and that that will obviously be a blow to U.S. strategy in the region. Absolutely. It's certainly a concern. The likely next president will be a man named Moon Jae-in, who's a former human rights lawyer, and he has expressed some sympathy towards North Korea and China in the past. But I think he understands the magnitude of the crisis facing South Korea at the moment. And while he said he would leave the decision up to the next South Korean government, I think it is very unlikely that he will actually reverse it. He understands that the deployment has gone too far for him to walk it back. But would he, uh, Moon Jae-in, do a, uh, have a different approach to North Korea? I mean, I think that the South Korean opposition in the past has talked about attempting some kind of rapprochement with the Kim Jong-un regime. Indeed, and I think he is certainly more open to it than his conservative counterparts. 
And Moon Jae-in is a man who is regularly accused of being a communist here in South Korea, but his policy towards North Korea is to use capitalism to open it up, to push the free market into North Korea, and that will uh, in turn lead to reforms. I spoke with Moon earlier this week, and he laid out his policies towards North Korea, and he was essentially saying, we need to be open to dialogue, we need to be open to negotiation, but we also need to increase sanctions and become more stringent. And he really believes that this could lead to a solution and denuclearization on the Korean Peninsula. So, uh, I mean, I guess that raises the ultimate question is what does drive North Korean behavior, given the increasingly apparently radical behavior of the Kim Jong-un regime with the assassination of his half-brother, increasing number of tests? Do you personally find it credible that the rapprochement strategy could work? I mean, we've talked about the limitations of the military strategy. Is there anything that can change them? I mean, I would echo echo much, much of the views you outlined in your column this week, Gideon, which is... I think the world is going to have to learn to live with North Korean missiles and potentially North Korean nuclear missiles. I think the chances of denuclearization are, are very, very slim, and the chances of a moratorium more freeze on the nuclear program are, are somewhat slim and very difficult to enforce. I think at this moment the best bet would be to try lower tensions and uh, reduce trouble in the area. So, Jeff, to conclude then, I mean, that's a pretty gloomy prospect for a Trump administration which has come in really selling itself on its toughness. Trump, I think, tweeted that that North Korean nuclear weapons aimed at America were not going to happen. Do you think in the long run that actually it is going to happen and they are going to have to live with it? I think that's that's probably the case. I mean, as you said, every other last three administrations have come in saying, you know, we're going to take a different approach and we're going to try and solve this problem. And they've just found it so incredibly hard that they've all ended up putting it on the back burner. They've really just tried to avoid the problem, just to push it along, to muddle through. And one can imagine that the Trump administration would probably try and do the same thing, given the other priorities that they've set themselves, given the focus on immigration, on, uh, even on the China, and the focus on economic issues. It's hard to see that they would really be prepared to put a huge amount of political, diplomatic capital on the North Korea issue when it's just so hard and the options are so, so thin. OK, well, with that uh, thought, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much indeed to Jeff Dyer and to Brian Harris in Seoul. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.